0: When I was in college, I served as the discipleship coordinator for our dorm floor. I went to Taylor University. It was a Christian college. So it was my job to sort of organize the other gals on my floor into small groups and to work with those small group leaders. And one time we had 26 different participants. So we did this exercise and I assigned each one of them a letter of the alphabet. And their job was to go into scripture and to find a verse that started with the letter of the alphabet to which they were assigned. Well, it was about a week later, I had forgotten about that assignment I had given to the girls and I came back and I distinctly remember on my door was a note card and it had this verse on it. You'll see it up on the screen if you're here in person. It said, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm, Proverbs 13, 20. And then underneath it, it said, bad company corrupts good character. And I totally had forgotten about this assignment and I'm looking around thinking, who is giving me some sort of a message? Like, I think I have good friends, but what does this mean here? Bad company corrupts good character. And so I walked around sort of with this odd and eerie feeling thinking someone was giving me this message until I got to dinner that night. And one of the girls said, hey, Deb, did you get my W verse that I left on your door? Sorry it took me so long to get it to you. And I was like, whew, yeah, sure, no problem, I got that. And I was so relieved that somebody hadn't been trying to give me this message about my friends. But I was thinking about that story in relation to our message today because the reality is who you hang out with matters. Matters. Who you hang out with matters. Students, the friends that you choose at school, it really does matter. Who you choose to spend time with matters. Whether you're a young adult or an older adult or any time throughout your life, the people that you choose to surround yourself with matters. Who are the people that you are going to invest in and allow them to invest in you? And they are people either that are gonna help you get better and encourage you, or they're people that are gonna bring you down and discourage you. Who you hang around with truly does matter. And finding and engaging the right people is not an accident like anything else in life. You have to be intentional about it. You have to put some time into it. You have to put some energy into it. If you want to have good friendships, they don't just happen overnight. You have to be able to cultivate them and to do that with some intentionality. We all walk with someone. It may as well be the right people. And so we're gonna talk about that a little bit this morning as we continue this series uh, on David in scripture. And David, he was known as a man after God's own heart. And we're looking at these qualities that make him a leader worth following. And oh, that it would be said of you and me that we were people who were after God's own heart, that you were a man after God's own heart, that you were a woman after God's own heart, that we lived in this generation doing what God had asked us to do. And so last week we talked about this fact that David demonstrated humility. He didn't push his way to the top. He was anointed as a king of Israel as a young teenager, but he didn't rise directly to the palace then. He continued to serve God and what God asked him to do. He was a shepherd for a long time and he waited to be elevated to that position. And so this week we're gonna look at second only to his desire to love and serve God, was David's ability to surround himself with really great people, with strong people, to team up with them to achieve greatness. And it really was the loyalty of David's friend Jonathan that really shaped him. And so we're going to look at the power of friendship for our lives today. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Gracious God, thank you for your word that continues to draw us in, that shapes us, that forms us. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us to put all the other distractions of life, that we would just put all of those aside for just a few moments, that we might center in and focus in on what you want for us to hear this morning. So speak through your Holy Spirit, Lord, in ways that only you can do. In the name of Christ, amen. So when we last left David last week, he was a teenager and he was anointed for kingship. In his young adult years, they were full of great success and triumph. And we find the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. He uh, went and he faced the great giant that was harassing all of Israel. And he said, don't be afraid of him. And the story of of David and Goliath is such a popular story that people who really haven't even read the Bible before, people who haven't even been to church before, they kind of know the story about David and Goliath. Because it's a story that sort of energizes us. It's this great big giant and the young David and somehow he comes and he takes care of this great giant. And we even talk about it in sports, don't we? The great underdog team against the great championship team and we get all excited about that even in sports. And there's a great verse at the end of that story, verse 45, David says this. He says, you come against me. He's talking now about Goliath. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defined. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me. And David displays this, this remarkable kind of faith that most of us envy. And I could do a whole message on this, this interaction between David and Goliath, but I'm just gonna give us a small nugget this morning, and then we're gonna move on to talk about his friendship with Jonathan. But... The whole story of David and Goliath is really about two great armies, the Philistine army, and and Goliath was their tall champion. And they were on one one side of the hill, and there was a deep valley in between them, and on the other side sat Israel with their king Saul. And what happened is Goliath taunted the armies of Israel for 40 days over and over again. Come on, come on, what are you gonna do to me? And I was thinking about that sometimes there are those intimidating giants in our world too. They might look different for us. It might be somebody who's taunting us at school, but it might look like a health issue that just keeps draining our energy and we just aren't quite sure what we're gonna do. Sometimes it's this great big mountain of grief Sometimes it's something to do with, with, you know, unemployment or something to do with a roommate or something to do with all kinds of things, a lawsuit or our marriage or fear of the unknown or just fear itself. And it just weighs out there and it taunts us and it, and it drains our energy and it drains our faith and we aren't sure what in the world we're gonna do with it. And the story reminds us that no one else... Can fight that battle for you. Your Goliath is your Goliath. And it's pretty lonely. And sometimes it can feel really lonely on the battlefield. David was the one who had to go down in the valley to face Goliath while everybody else stood around him. And whatever that thing is for you that's just draining your energy and draining your faith, nobody can face that but you. And sometimes we try to deny it and we try to push it aside and we think it'll just go away or it'll get better. But it's not until we actually face that that we're gonna find any kind of victory. And sometimes it's those lonely steps on the battlefield that only you can do. But you're never alone because you come with the power and the strength of the almighty God behind you. And so it's something that we have to say, this is your battle, Lord. And I'm gonna take it one step at a time And I'm gonna offer to you all that I am and everything that I have in order to take on whatever it is that is looming over you. The battle belongs to the Lord. And whatever your Goliath is this morning, don't let it stand over you. You have to take the first step. And what are you gonna do to fight against that? And to know that you do that in the power and the strength of Almighty God, that you are not alone. But nobody can face that for you. You have to go in God's power and in God's strength. That's a reminder of what David did. He walked into that. He faced it with God's strength. And so do you and so do I and the things that loom over us today. So David's a young man. He's not yet 20 years old. He's never worn the, the uniform of an Israeli army. He's never once suited up for battle. He's never once taken a sword. But he runs out into this battlefield and he faces this giant almost 10 feet tall and he kills a giant with one throw of his sling. And as a result, David gains this instant popularity. He becomes a national hero. In our terminology, you know, the the video goes viral, right? And he becomes this popular celebrity overnight. And that's sometimes hard to deal with. How do you deal with success when it happens to you overnight? We talk a lot about handling adversity, but David here had to understand how to handle success when he became a national celebrity, a national hero overnight. And he just sort of handled it in stride. He just learned how to live with success without having to affect him. And it's a rare person who does it, but it goes back to the quality we talked about last week. When you have humility as a character trait, when you don't understand yourself too highly than you should, but not too lowly than you should, you're gonna be able to walk through life and whether you have incredible success or you go through adversity, that trait is gonna continue to form you as a person and as a leader. And so it did with David. Now it set up this tremendous jealousy between Saul, the current king, and David, who's gaining all of this popularity. And Saul didn't handle that jealousy very well, and so he wanted to get rid of David because all the people were starting to follow him. And so it set up this great rivalry. David would once become the greatest king in Israel's history, but he didn't become a man of influence overnight. David had several key friendships in his life that helped him along the way. And the one that was most mentioned is with Jonathan. Now here's the the main key that I want us to see this morning. The main key that I want us to know is this. Our friendships form our future. Who you hang out with matters. Your friendships will form your future and who you hang out with matters. And I want us to see that in our scripture today. God knew that David needed a close friend because he was gonna have to walk through another valley ahead of him. It wasn't just this one time with Goliath. He was now gonna be on the run and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But close friends, they are rare in life. They don't just happen. Close friendships have to be cultivated. Close friendships have three characteristics. We find them in our scripture for today. I want us to look at them in this text. First, I want you to see this. You can see it on the screen if you're here. A close friend is willing to sacrifice. If you think about your close friends, a close friend is willing to sacrifice. You don't have to beg a close friend for a favor. They just, they just do that. They just want to give to you. It's certainly the case with this friendship between David and Jonathan. I want you to see it here in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse one. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, this is right when he had killed Goliath, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond of love between them. They became the best of friends. From that day on, Saul kept David with him at the palace. He wouldn't even let him return home. And Jonathan made a special vow to be David's friend. And he sealed the pack by giving him his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. So David goes to the palace and he becomes best friends with the current king's son. And Jonathan wanted to give him something, to, to just know that he's a special friend. And so he gives him all of these things, including his robe. Now, why was that significant? Well, Jonathan would have been the next heir to the throne. And so giving him his robe, it's the prince's robe. He gives that to his friend David. You see, friends just do that. They're not stingy with their possessions. You can hardly impose on a close friend. They don't keep any score. A close friend is there to assist you in whatever way you need. In a close friendship, there's just this level of unselfishness. And I want you to think about it for a moment. Your close friends, no matter what age you are, your, kid, your friends at school or your friends throughout your life. Think about those friends that you can call at two in the morning and know they're gonna be there for you. Who are those close friends that are willing to sacrifice for you anytime you need it? Who are those people in your life? It's a characteristic of a friendship. Second, I want you to think about this. Close friends also give one another complete freedom to be themselves. I want you to think about your close friends. They give you complete freedom to be yourself. When you're with a close friend, you don't have to explain why you're doing something. You just do it. Sometimes you just need to be silly and your friend lets you be silly. Sometimes you need to be sad and your friend lets you be sad. Sometimes you need to do whatever. You need to talk it out. Close friendships allow you to be yourself. We see this in in a couple chapters later, 1 Samuel 20, verses 41 and 42. It says, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. And David bowed to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. And at last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have made a pact in the Lord's name. We have entrusted each other and each other's children into the Lord's hands forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the city. When your heart is broken, you can just bleed all over your friend and it's fine. If your friend is hurting, let him hurt. If your friend needs to cry, let them cry. If your friend needs to talk something out, you be a listener. Good friends, just let you be yourself. And I wanna talk to you for a moment, those of you who are students and you're, you're hanging around with kids at school, do you feel like you always have to be somebody different with them or can you just be yourself? That's a key to knowing if they're really a good friend or not because a good friend lets you be yourself. You don't have to impress them. You don't have to do certain things to fit in. A good friend lets you be yourself no matter what. Who are those close friends around you that let you be yourself? And lastly, a close friend is a constant source of encouragement. A close friend is a constant source of encouragement. David was out in the wilderness. He was fighting for his life. At any moment between, behind any bush or rock or hill, Saul and his men may have been waiting there to strike him down. And what does Jonathan do? Jonathan's really caught in the middle here between his father and honoring him and this best friend that he has with David, best friendship he has with David. And that's a really tough place to be. And Jonathan here goes and encourages his friend. First Samuel 23, verse 15 and 16. It says, one day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on his way to Ziphoth to search for him and to kill him. And Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. That's the kind of friend that all of us need somebody who's willing to sacrifice for you, someone who is a constant source of encouragement, who lets you be yourself, who stands up for you when you need it. He saw David at the lowest moment of his life. He was frightened. He was bewildered. He was stumbling through the wilderness. And Jonathan goes to bring him encouragement. And he says, I might not understand exactly what you're going through, but I'm here for you. And I want you to know it's gonna get better and you're going to be okay. And those kind of things from a friend, that phone call, that text that whatever, checking in with you, that means the world, doesn't it? When you're going through adversity, when you're going through the toughest of times, that's why we need friends in our life. Having a close friend allows us to face whatever comes our way. And God counters Saul's cruelty with Jonathan's loyalty. Jonathan, he could have been just as jealous as Saul. As Saul's son, he stood to inherit the throne. He was a noble soldier himself. He was out fighting Philistines way before David even took on Goliath. Jonathan could have despised David, but he didn't. He was gracious. The heir to the throne surrendered his throne. All of us need a friend like Jonathan, someone who protects us, someone who wants nothing but our own interests, wants nothing more than your happiness and lets you be you that friend can just take the things that we say and keep the stuff that needs to be kept and let the other stuff go and just offer it all to God. All of us need a good friend like that. Proverbs 18:24 reminds us that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And first and foremost, that friend is Jesus, the one who sacrificed for you and for me, the one who lets us be ourselves, the one who is a constant source of encouragement in our life. He is always loyal, giving you the space and courage to be the, all that he has created you to be. And Jesus reminds us that we are never alone, no matter what it is that we are going through, no matter if we have this great big Goliath that seems to be looming over our lives. That Jesus is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. He was always with us, who will never leave us or forsake us. That is his promise. And that is what he is there to do and to be. And as God has created us in his image, he he created us to crave friendship, first and foremost with him, but then with each other. John Townsend in his book, People Fuel, recommends that every one of us have three to 10 people in our life who are close friends, good friends, people who know you deeply. Three to ten friends, he calls them comrades, but all of us, men, women, teenagers, young adults, should have three to ten people in our life, other than our spouse, who have these kind of shared values, who are with us, who have a mutual trust, people who inspire us to do better, to climb higher, to do the right thing. And guys, I'm just going to pick on you for just a moment because These are deep friendships too and and guys tend to have, you know, football buddies. I got my football buddies and I got my hunting buddies and, you know, this kind of stuff. But it's also guys that you can ask a question about or a, a life question. Ask about advice. Really be able to talk on a deep level. All of us need that. We need to be able to talk with gals with gals and guys with guys and allow those friendships to deepen our life and our faith and sometimes if you're married we tend to say you know well my spouse is my best friend and that's good that's that's a good way to do it but it can't be our only friend because it puts so much strain on that relationship to do all everything for all of our relational needs and so while we want to have that strong friendship in a marriage Gals need to have outside gal relationships and guys need to have outside guy relationships to help us be whole people. So think about it. Who are the best friends that have spanned over the years for you? And depending on your age, this might look different. Maybe it is a a brother or a sister that you've cultivated a good relationship with over the years. But who are those close friends for you? And when have you seen or talked with them last? Like, I think that's the most difficult part of this COVID season is that we can't just go and see our friends as much as we perhaps are used to. We can't hang out in the same ways that we're used to. So how do we do that? How can we do that in another way? Because I think really that's what we're missing in our lives these days too. We're missing those friendships that are so important and vital for us. So I just want to encourage you to figure it out, make a FaceTime call, or think about a way that you can connect and thank them for their influence in your life. I saw this on Facebook the other day and I thought it was perfect to summarize this message this morning. It says, Friends are not optional. They are essential. Friends are not automatic. They must be cultivated. Friends are not neutral. They impact our lives. And friendships come in varying degrees, some more significant roles than others. Friendships are a significant part of our life. When we're young, when we're in middle school and high school and college, but throughout our life too, we cannot ignore their power to form us. David was a man of many talents. He accomplished many things in life. He was a courageous warrior. He displayed this incredible faith in defeating the giant Goliath. But David's destiny and his great accomplishments also depended upon the people that surrounded him. That was really important to affect him and, and all of his leadership for generations to come. Who are those people that you spend the most time with? And how do they impact your life? Because it truly does matter. Close friends are willing to sacrifice for you. They give you the freedom to be yourself. They're a constant source of encouragement. And your friendships and your advisors, they do form Your future. A leader worth following has this close inner circle that influences his or her life in a positive way. People that he or she can count on and trust. So be that loyal friend in these days and cultivate those close friends in your life because you and I need them more than we know. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, if we're truly honest, Sometimes we take our friends for granted and we think they're always going to be there and always going to be around and we don't always tell them how much we appreciate them. And so Lord, I pray that you might just challenge our hearts and remind us this morning of how important those friendships are in our life. To cultivate them, to invest in them, to spend time with them so that we can be whole people that you've called us to be. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to catch up with a friend, perhaps, this week that we haven't seen for a while. Help us to be those kind of good, close friends for people around us, people they can trust, people who are loyal, who know when to say something and and when to challenge us and when to keep their mouth shut, too. But, Lord, help us. Help us to be those kind of friends to the people around us. And Lord, most importantly, we thank you for the friendship that you have given to us. For the ability, Lord, to receive your unconditional love and to be able to, to live in friendship with you. It truly is a great and amazing gift. And we thank you for it. Help us, Lord, to be your people this week. In the precious name of Christ, we pray. Amen.